Good day, good afternoon, good whenever it is you are listening to this. Thank you very much for listening to this. You are checking out yet another Woken Baked. And today is a really cool podcast episode. Got down to, got to sit down with our good friend, your good friend, my good friend, Jake. And we got to, we were joined with, we didn't get to, we were joined by, well, I guess we got to, it's a privilege, it's an honor. We got to sit down with screenwriter Michael B. Dillon. Let me start off by saying that it's not very often that a film makes its premiere in Kenai, Alaska. We're a very small community, and it's not very often these sorts of things happen. However, Peaks and Valleys, Michael B. Dillon's film, is making its premiere in Kenai this Friday and Saturday. So you should get out of the house and go to the movies. That being said, Jake and I sat down with Michael. We got to shoot the poop, talk about his film, Peaks and Valleys, which, by the way, Coming Attraction Cinema in Kenai is where you will be able to to see this film. I'm very excited to watch this movie, perhaps more excited than any film that I've seen the trailer for since at least Mad Max. The very last Mad Max was the last time I saw a trailer and I was like, I've got to see that movie. I felt that way for Peaks and Valleys and it is playing this weekend. It is premiering this weekend at Coming Attraction Cinema, uh, Cinemas in Kenai. All right, they also have one in Palmer, and that is the one where the big cast and crew are doing their viewing of it with the public. However, this is us. This is our little community, and we are getting this very cool movie, which I don't know if it's a very cool movie. It could suck, but the trailer's awesome. And I've included a link to the trailer, including most of the films uh, that we discuss in the movie. I've included their trailers in the show description. So if you are interested in what we're doing with the show description and what we're talking about in the show description, um, we have the links in the show description. Boom. You don't even have to You don't have to do any research on your own. We got it there for you. We've got links to the trailer. We've got links to the films that we discuss and some of the other topics that we discuss, the film festival that he goes uh, into and discusses how the viewings went down there. I'm really excited about this movie, and I'm excited to share this podcast with you. So... Without any further, i got to get through the mentioning of the supporters. Iron Asylum, located at 35165 KB Drive in Soldatna, behind Save You More. You can find them on Instagram as well as Facebook and their website, theironasylumgymak.com. The website is currently stocked with t-shirts, hoodies, duffel bags, and booty shorts. So if you're looking to get your sweet ass into some sweet ass Iron Asylum shorts, Get your sweet ass over to the website, order them. They have all the sizes. You're good. The number, if you're interested in joining Iron Asylum, setting up a membership, and you want to set up an appointment to check out the gym, check out 907-953-47204. I'm sorry. 907-953-4720. Again, that number, 907-953-4720 for more information. The gym's open 24 hours a day. I like to go in the morning because it's empty, but you can go when it's full and you can see all the beautiful people looking to make themselves more beautiful or trying to attain whatever their fitness goal is. All right, so if you're looking for a place to go, if you're looking for something to do, Iron Asylum is the spot. All right, the number again, 907-953-4720. The website again, the Iron Asylum Gym AK.com. All right, next up, Red Run Cannabis Company, located on the Kenai Spur Highway. They are the growers of cannabis. They are the brewmeisters of Hashade and now Blueberry Hashade. They make canna caps, honey sticks, and now 
peanut butter. They get their peanut butter directly from the farmer. Can you say the same thing about any of the food that you put in your body? How often are you putting food that, that you can tell, you know, like this is where this came from. I know this farmer who grew these vegetables, or I, I knew this farmer who raised the pork. Red Run has that kind of relationship with the folks they get the peanut butter from. You can't tell me where you get your peanut butter from, but they can tell me where they got their peanut butter from. And this is where they're serving, all right? They also carry flour, concentrates, including decarb oil and cartridges. And because Lady Grey has their own manufacturing facility, nobody can beat their prices. They also carry edibles from Lady Grey, Baked Alaska, Glacier Gummies, Creative Confections, and many, many more. All right, they also carry CBD from Frontier CBD. So just be sure to ask your bud tender for recommendations. And if you are interested in knowing what, the, what else they've got and, and, and what else they do, be sure to check out redruncannabiscompany.com for more information as well as weed maps for their current menu. Hashade as a product, as well as their, their, their shatters, their turp sauces, they're available throughout the state at finer dispensaries. If you are interested in trying Hashade, talk to your local bud tender. Tell them that you would like to try some Hashade. Tell them I sent you and spread the word of the podcast because that's pretty damn cool. All right, coming up next, 5150. Vapes, located in the heart of Soldatna. They are your home for American-made CBD vape products with over 240 flavors of juice to choose from. They carry coils, they carry mods, and pretty much anything you could possibly need or want for all of your vaping. So if you're gonna do some vaping, check out Red Run Can, or not Red Run, don't, don't check them out for vaping stuff. They'll, they'll tell you to go to 5150. Go to 5150 for all of your vaping uh, needs and desires and wants. If you have a vaping want, they can hook it up. Talk to Dave, talk to Wade, talk to Sarah, talk to any of them. I, actually, I think that's the, those are the big three that are there. All right, and June 27th, coming up June 27th, 49th State Audio Addicts hosting a car show at the Alaska Car Shop on K Beach. If you are interested in participating in that, Stop by 5150, talk to them, let them know you want to participate, or just show up. You can do that too. All right, shout out to their sponsors and their supporters on this one. Matt Plant at Five Star Reality, GPCarAudio.com, Hillbilly Customs, Woken Baked Media, Coca-Cola of Alaska, Mad Creations Tattoos, and Outlaw Customs. That is June 27th at 7 p.m. in the Alaska Car Shop parking lot. All right, moving on to Lady Grey Medibles, the makers of fine edibles, breath mints, ice cream, birch syrup, cookies, and suppositories. But back to cookies. If you have an out-of-state guest or you are an out-of-state guest and you are looking for the highest quality ingredients, uh, like let's say you are a, a conscious connoisseur of cannabis cookies, Lady Grey make the very best. They use the very best ingredients for their cookies for their oils. All of that stuff is top of the line, top-notch stuff, not like this podcast. I don't know why you're why you're listening to this and not diving into Lady Grey and, and where they get their stuff from and how they make it, all right? I don't know, I don't know. You can do that, you figure it out, bless your heart. Check out their website, ladygraymedibles.com for more information. Their products are available throughout the great state of Alaska. So if you are looking to get your hands on some of their butter mints, Go get your hands on some of their buttermints. They're delicious. I recommend them for anyone over the age of 21. All right, 
If you have any more questions about cannabis suppositories, I have included a link uh, from, uh, um, gosh, I don't even know the name of the website, Cannabis Secure Info, uh, CannabisSecure.info slash Cannabis Suppositories. The link is in the description. 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 The link is in the description. All right. So before we move on, AK-49 Martial Arts slash Bang Muay Thai slash Mountain Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu located at the Peninsula Center Mall. Classes are back to normal except for the 5 a.m. class. We'll get back to that one. I missed that one. That was my favorite class. That was the only one I got to go to because I'm more or less doing dad shit anytime after noon. But at 5 o'clock in the morning, I can do all the jujitsu I want. No one gives a shit. And so can you when they have those classes. So demand the return of the 5 a.m. classes because I'm the only person that wants to wake up that time to practice choking their friends. All right, links are in the description. Be sure to check out the description. It's available on our SoundCloud page. And uh, learn, learn about what we're talking about. All right, folks, have a great day. Have a great afternoon. And if you hear chickens in the background, that's because the chickens have moved into the home studio. I am bonding with my chickens. They're my buds. They're my friends. And it's going to suck turning them into food. But it's what's going to eventually happen. But know your food. All right. Have a great day. Have a great afternoon. Have a great whenever it is you are listening to this. That's a professional. Like, I know. We're, we're, we're sitting in like old, like used library chairs. So probably taken from the library. Yeah. It's a real good sense of community. Yeah. <laughs> oh, all right. So how you guys doing? Pretty good. How are you doing, man? Doing Thank great. Doing great. Thank you so much for making time with us. Please uh, do us a favor and introduce yourself real quick. Oh, my name is Michael B. Dillon. I'm a, I'm a writer from Palmer, Alaska. Um, my first feature is being released in the theaters uh, this Friday, June 19th, in both Wasilla and in Kenai. And uh, I've been doing it for quite a while. Uh, now, you know, being 38 years old, I'm putting a lot more focus into it <laughs> but uh it, it's been a journey and we've I met some great people along the way and uh, learned just what alaska can build you know even if it's just your dream that you had for a bit and put it down on paper you know you have thousands of people that have helped make all this possible so it's great so peaks and valleys is the film uh doing its career here this weekend um what can you tell us about it without spoiling well, Peaks and Valley starts out with a guy, he's out at, at his cabin, and uh, this plane flies overhead and dumps out a garbage bag into his lake, which then starts thrashing around. So he goes out and fishes this girl out of this bag, and they're stuck. And he's not the nicest guy in the world. I mean, he's he, uh, a lot of people have said he channels that Clint Eastwood vibe. <laughs> just He's not, not going to take any rough at all. Yeah, but they're stuck there together, and they're polar opposites. And if so, it's a buddy comedy. Yeah, well, I was thinking rom con. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's basically yeah, no, a plot to no uh, rom- with Meg Ryan. Yeah, <laughs> there definitely is no romance in this one. I yeah. saw this on an episode of Friends. <laughs> Simpsons did it first. Yeah. Simpsons do everything first. So, um, so what motivated you to, to start the process of writing a movie and, and lead us through it? Well, I've, uh, I've actually, I've always been writing stories, uh, since I was a little kid. Um, I didn't pay attention too well in school. 
So my English, as far as writing and everything goes, it didn't really, you know, fit the par of the industry. And uh, I, I did drop out of high school. So I didn't go to college, but you know, the stories are still there. And then I found this wonderful medium called film where, yeah, you got to know how to write, you know, basic sentences for direction. But when it came to the dialogue, which is most of a script, you could write it how you say it. And so I started uh, working quite a bit with small films up here because it was happening. Um, it was just starting to, to really take off. And I wrote my first script when I was 18 years old and I sold it to a producer for $10. And uh, he put it as, as part of a big package in Anchorage and that was in 2000, so that was 20 years the ago. The rest is Titanic. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Unfortunately, that one didn't end up making it because the subject matter was a little too close to a very uh, sensitive issue. So at, the, at that particular time, but- Would you like um, to touch on that? Yeah. What's that? Would you like to touch on that? On, on that film and the topics it touched oh, it, were uncomfortable? In that particular film, uh, it involved the kids who wear backpacks that look like bombs to rob banks. And then unfortunately, somebody kidnapped somebody and did it for real. And it was a tragic end to it. You can watch it on Netflix. So <laughs> no joke. It's, there's a documentary on that on Netflix. Evil genius. Yeah. That's it. That's the yeah. one. Well, I, I, wrote a, I wrote a film that was close enough to that type of situation. So didn't end up going forward. Did you give then, him $10 back? What's that? Did you give him his $10 back? Was it when, oh. those, when, when the movie never came out where you're like, yeah. here, you take the advance back? I offered him an option to extend the contract, you know, and then it just you know, didn't happen. For 15 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's awesome, though, that you had that, that, that early sort of mm -hmm. someone saw something in what you were mm -hmm. doing and what you were trying to do. Um, oh, he's still around. He's still around. He's still doing film stuff uh, here in Alaska. His name is Jan Welt. Uh, he's the first guy who ever believed that I could write a screenplay, and I'd oh, love to give him that shout out. Talking to. <laughs> uh, the Janster. Yeah. Uh, the Weltster? The Welt. Yeah. Well, the this is, Welt. This is awkward, but since you're here. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, well, you take what you can get, right? <laughs> I um, mean, after all, I'm I'm here with you guys. You know, so. <laughs> oh. <laughs> It's because we all suck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what motivated you to do Peaks and Valleys? And can you tell us, without, without going into too much detail, a, a little bit about the characters and why the characters mean anything to you? Yeah, so the original story of Peaks and Valleys was a 13-page short that I was asked to write where the guy said he wanted something cerebral and real and uh, not a lot of dialogue, which was it's not my strong suit. My strong suit is a dialogue because as I stated earlier, I'm not completely confident in my ability to write professionally, but um, it was a completely different story actually. I mean, the, the basis was still there. The, the body gets dropped out of the plane, but in that story, Jack had to, you know, make the decision. He's going to be in this cabin all winter long. Does he save the girl and possibly kill them both? Or does he let nature run its course? and leave her out there and uh, in the original in the original it was dark and he left her out there and I, yeah i i tend to write some pretty twisted stuff so well i if it, this isn't that story i also want to see that story like, I, yeah. 
that's one of the things that we talk about on on the podcast a lot is that the films are eventually going to become a, a downloadable content you're going to be able to download mm -hmm. uh the schwarzenegger pack or the i don't know the the george your, clooney pack it's going to be the dlc choose your own adventure yeah, yeah. essentially I, I, I completely agree especially with the way that technology is going they are already making movies on netflix that are choose your own adventure they're films that you decide how it goes They've had it a couple times now. So it is definitely moving in that direction, which yeah, is going to be really interesting for people that. like me. <laughs> I didn't hear that. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, as a writer, you get to do that all the time. Uh, as a writer, it happens naturally. And then we have to just kind of bring it all into one line. Because, I mean, with, like myself, when I'm, writing, when I'm writing a story, I write from the character's point of view. So I have up, I mean, if I've got five characters, in this movie then i'm seeing the film in five different ways as i'm writing it so what you're saying is true there is it is like a choose your own adventure i choose who to focus on at what point in this story do i need to be on this character and then what are they going to do and then moving on to everybody else affected by that so it's writing is it, it, it's more of a cluster <laughs> um i don't know who listens so i'll try and watch my language but you get what i was saying yeah, yeah. you whatever the fuck <laughs> all right yeah it's a total clusterfuck in the beginning of the story and that's what i believe personally what i believe is the hardest hurdle for writers to get over is when you have all that information in your head and it all makes sense in your head and it's perfect and then you sit down and try and put it on paper or in, into your computer that's that's the toughest part is that transition jumping into another medium from your head to a physical you know version and i'm going to need a recording of that so i can give it to my kids because that's the best and most parental thing i've ever said <laughs> <laughs> after daddy thinks about women being dropped out in plastic bags oh yeah yeah no actually that was okay i i have no problem talking about that part because that that is kind of that's one of the most intriguing things happens right out of the gate in the trailer um mm -hmm. like what twisted dark world do you come from where that's an idea that pops in your brain? Alaska. <laughs> no. <laughs> what inspired oh. you? Like, where did that, like, I mean, because it, it's, honestly, it's like, I mean, it's a, it's like a hook right out of the gate. Like, something like that mm -hmm. happens, all of a sudden you're totally in that, you know, I gotta, I gotta know where, where this is going. It's immersion, right? Mm -hmm. you're immersed you're immediately invested in what's happening and that happened like as you said within the first five seconds of you seeing one image on a screen to me my favorite movies are always the ones that got me hyped up mm -hmm. if there's a movie that i that i was cheering for in the theater it's immediately hitting one of my top you know picks because if because of that investment of you as in, in the audience not knowing anything about what's going on you're just kind of throwing your trust that you may like this or may not and then to get immersed like that, to get grabbed. Um, I get a lot of flack from this, from uh, fellow filmmaker friends, but M. Night Shyamalan, man, he was a master of that. He was a master of getting you just on the simplest stuff, getting you locked in, locked in, locked in, and then turning the world upside down, at least for the first couple movies. <laughs> well, it's like, there, you know, it's, it's like how the first Rob Zombie album's awesome, but then every mm -hmm. album after that, you're like, wait, this is kind of the same thing. You know, but he found <laughs> it. So it's like every stained record ever. <laughs> they were the oh, it's, worst. It has been, it's been a while. Thing. <laughs> 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 
man. I'm also the king of dad jokes, so just no, it's be, cool. We're all prepared. We're dads as well. We yeah. are we're all we're all parental units. <laughs> yeah. So I and I understand that this is just as much an excuse to get out of the house and away from your family yeah. as pretty much anything. Honey, I gotta I gotta do work. I gotta do promo for my this movie. And we're doing this for you. Yeah, yeah, so I mean, it's for us. It's for our, our future. Absolutely, it is. It's the it's the premiere <laughs> is. These guys are very big. Very, they're <laughs> they're at least at least four twenty five between them. Yeah, yeah. There's you know international. Yes, you know <laughs> they they caught me red handed, and I'm really hoping that my girl doesn't listen to the uh, to the podcast because I I usually come over here and and, and chill with my buddy uh, JP. <laughs> Uh, Sierra Squared Studios and uh, shameless plug, <clears throat> and uh, we, we drink beer. Hired yeah. asylum. We drink beer. We drink whiskey and schnitzel bomber. Shameless plug. Now it's all about you gotta get it. You, you gotta mention your friends who have businesses because otherwise, what's the point of doing any of this? Absolutely. I only got here because of my friends. So I'm definitely every chance I get. And now I got two new friends, right? Yeah. Fuck yeah. I'm yeah. excited, for, <laughs> excited for, for this weekend, man. Um, I'm thrilled. Have you, uh, have you had the opportunity to watch the film with an audience yet? I have had the opportunity to watch the film with an audience, and that was actually, that was a big wake up for me because, you know, we showed it once. We did a sneak peek um, right here in the Matsu Valley where it was filmed. And it was, you know, a lot of people showed up and they had great things to say. And, and, oh, let me kill that. Sorry. Yeah, but it's kind of, you know, like your friends, you know, it's the people that you see all the time. Your friends are like, yeah, you did a great job. That was awesome. But when we went down to Dubuque, Iowa, which sits right on the Mississippi River, it's like the crossroads of everything river wise up there. Uh, first off, we were surprised at how big the town was. <laughs> I guess it's just ignorance of, of Alaskans, you know, Iowa, how big could it be? I only know of like two cities there and Dubuque was not one of them, but <laughs> it was the people were absolutely awesome. What's that? Corey Taylor's from Iowa. Yeah. So I, Des Moines. Oh, yeah. The two cities he would know. But... Yeah. So now I know three. So. Out of curiosity. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we got down there. Um, they told us that our showtime was at 730. And so we showed up at seven and it was our world premiere. Uh, it was the first time they were showing it, you know, outside of Alaska. And we showed up at seven o'clock and they, we were told by the ushers that we were too late. And we were like, what do you mean we're too late? This is our movie. We know they told us it was starting at 730. And they're like, oh, no, 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 no. There's no seats left. Oh, wow. And, well, this is the same night that Avengers was re uh the, the avengers endgame was released so we're there on a friday night for a 7 30 show against four other screens showing avengers and we're sold out so it was that was the moment of oh wait a minute whoa whoa we did something here that is, and that's yeah. absolutely amazing how many of those people were so disappointed to realize they weren't sitting in avengers uh you know <laughs> We didn't want to tell them. Yeah. Like how and but, how far did they get yeah. to the movie before they're like, I haven't even seen Thanos. <laughs> right. <laughs> Who's is that? Is that? I really miss yeah. Tony Starks. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't how oh, I expected this to go at all. 
we we actually we ended up uh, turning away more people than got to see the world premiere. It was absolutely mind blowing. We gave up our seats as the filmmakers who were down there visiting. Uh, we ended up sitting on the floor like in the back of a Midwest movie theater with I can't name names, but uh, with some some directors and producers what? of major stuff that were there for the film festival, sitting on a sticky floor just to watch this movie. And it, the second night, we they shut us down ten minutes before showtime, moved us to a larger theater. Everybody oh, still amazing. sold that one out, and then and then they they. Uh, set us up for the third one and we were five sh five seats shy of our on our last showing so then you finally got so, to the seat for your film yeah as my, i spent the time standing in the back most of the time when i was there now here's a question i mean because you you packed the theater in did they at least hook you up with like some free popcorn or something like here have some oh nachos on they us. they treated us so good down there i mean for the whole week anything we wanted we had people driving us around we had we had dinners and luncheons and cocktail hours and all sorts of stuff set up. So we, it was, yeah, I, I was very spoiled. We were very spoiled when we were down there. It was great. Dubuque, Iowa, the Julian Dubuque film festival, the, um, my partner, he's been to a bunch of them. He says that by far is his absolute favorite. So I definitely give them a shout out down there. They know how to make you feel welcome. What was the name of the film festival again? It's the Julian Dubuque international film festival. Okay, so Good. we'll put the link in the description. Yeah, we'll, we'll tag that mm -hmm. just so we can maybe carry on with some of their fame. Hopefully somebody who's hashtagging Dubuque <laughs> Film Festivals is like, oh shit, there's this gem out of Alaska. It sounds <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty crazy. Um, and it was a real eye-opener on the fact that this isn't really a hobby anymore. You know, it's, it was time to... And my family agreed. And, you know, I, I, got a, I got a great family and, and I put a lot of this to the side, you know, to be a dad and now they're all telling me mm, you're really good at it it's time for you to, to do it and, and so we've got other plans we've got another movie that we we're setting up that uh is sitting a 5.5 million dollar budget with uh, some major names in in the production world behind it as soon as all of this stuff calms down and uh, it's all was kicked off by local donations and it's going to be a big film we're going to have name actors in it that is awesome. I mean, 5.5 million is close to what we spend on this podcast per episode. Yeah. But per um, episode. Yeah. Yeah. No, break uh, that down. I am curious though, because there's a lot of people like right now you, it sounds like you're transitioning to that point in your life where you're living your dream. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And you, you've switched from like the, I'm living the responsibility, the, what, you know, I need to do for my family, what society says I need to do to the, I kind of joked about this in, in our Facebook conversation, but you, you've, you've now switched to that turn to where it's like, like you said, it's gone from just being a hobby or something like a, you know, something that's in the back of your mind to that moment where, you know, your parents are shaking their head going, Oh no, please. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, like, well, a couple questions. Um, one, what does that feel like in your life? Two, how does one do that? How does one, like make that decision like what does it take i mean obviously you're gonna have to have your family supporting you um you're gonna have to have a significant amount of confidence but just from your perspective what is what is that transition from going to normal guy to insane screenwriter at the, at the risk of sounding self-serving because it's not how i mean it but you got to have balls 
I mean, really, you got to have the balls to realize that, A, you can do both to start and be working toward, you know, toward what you want in the end of it. Because if I, I couldn't just one day go, all right, that's it, I'm done. I, I just want to write scripts from now on. Which was pretty close to what I did, but I, I didn't have a plan in place. And if you're if you're a guy who has a family, as you guys are, you understand that. Hey, you know, you, you want to do cool things, but at the same time, there's got to be a reason for you to do it. And that would be the second thing that I'd say is you got to have that reason. If it's just something you want to do because you want more clout, you know, on your personal social media, it's not going to work. But if you're doing it to do something better for yourself, to, like for me, for my kids. I didn't, like I said earlier, I did not graduate high school. I did not go to college. I wish I did. There's a lot of things that I wish I had stuck with early on. And, you know, cause I, I know I'd be somewhere else today, you know, but at the same time, I wouldn't have anything that I have today. So I'm, I make no shame of waiting till I'm almost 40 years old to do this because I still got a whole hell of a lot a lot of time left and on top of that i have a group of people who love me unconditionally who have watched me struggle right along with them with nothing but love in my heart to make their lives better so now they're returning that you gonna make me cry <laughs> they're returning that by giving me their support now knowing that i'm not gonna let anything happen and that if anything they're gonna get to go to disneyland someday so <laughs> Well, that got deep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, by the way, don't ask writers questions like that. <laughs> how did, how good does it feel to say I'm, I'm a writer? That's, that's what you do. That it is really weird. It was really weird at first because I, I had everybody telling me, dude, that's <sighs> how you need to, you, I mean, you are published. It's like, yeah, but I'm not a writer because I think of all this time and all this energy and, and years of, of practice and craft and reading that goes into it. And yes, I have put in years of, of practice and reading into it. But, you know, it's college was always that thing that was over my head. It's like, even if I got a night degree in creative writing or something, I'd feel more confident about it. But finally, my partner one day, he sits me down. He's like, no, you're a writer, period. And I don't want, I don't want to ever hear you introduce yourself as anything else in my, in my company. And he's, he's not a guy who talks like that at all. He's, he's always joking and, and friendly and he's like, no dude, never again. So. Is he the one that made you make it Facebook official? Yes, he, he is. <laughs> good. Good. How uh, can you talk about the importance of having a collaborator? Um, the importance of having a collaborator is that it gives you a chance to step away from your work and see how an, an audience is going to react without any bias. Because, yeah, I may be writing to see how I want my audience to react, but how am I to assume that it's going to work? Some of the best jokes that made it into Peaks and Valleys, they... I didn't think they were funny at all when I wrote them down, but the audience loves them. So it's like, oh, okay. Because I was told to keep them in. It's like, all right, well, I kept that in. There's other parts where I'm very happy that I took it out, you know, after seeing the final product because it wouldn't have fit correctly or it would have changed the entire viewpoint that you have on a particular character. And in this one, you've got two characters. So there's not really, there's not any room to be jumping around, you know, and, and building huge story arcs. The 90% uh, 90, 90 of the movie is two people in a cabin which uh, which would not have been able to happen if not for the performances of the two actors that we got. It was absolutely stellar. Would you like to give them a shout out? 
Oh, absolutely. We got Kevin T. Bennett, who's a veteran actor from Anchorage. Uh, he was in uh, The Frozen Ground, uh, that movie with uh, Nick Cage and uh, John Cusack. Yeah. That was done. Yeah. Um, he's just, he's an, an amazing character actor. And as you watch the film, you're going to see him not only change physically, but he, he completely changes character wise through it as well. Kitty Mahoney, she, um, she did an absolutely great job from the audition on. Um, we, we did open it up for unions. So we had auditions we were doing over Skype and, and video calls and such with California and all over the place. And Kitty, she, she did a bunch of really great work behind the camera with the movies Moose and uh, Sudsy Slim uh, Rides Again, which are both Alaskan films uh, by Chad Carpenter, uh, who Tundra fame, the most syndicated comic book artists in the country or comic strip artist in the country. And he's from Alaska, shout out, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, she, the, the, she came in for her audition and she was writing a piece and it was a pretty powerful monologue piece that's in the middle. And I lost it in the middle of her audition. I had to stand up and walk out because it was, that was Bailey. That was, that was her, you know, it's, it's not just, you know, faces and words in my head when I'm writing stuff, these are people. You know, these are complex individuals. And if I can't write them as complex individuals by believing that they're complex individuals with past, then I do a disservice to you guys, to the audience. So when she started reading and the emotion on her face and the way that she was holding herself, it was like, boom, no, that's her. That's Bailey. <laughs> and she brought the same thing to the film itself. So to this day, I watch them. You know, I, I had to do a review on the final version uh, just a couple days ago and it got to that scene and I got all misty again. And I've seen that, heard that hundreds of times at this point, but it doesn't matter. It's just, it's beautiful. How true to your original vision is the final, uh, the final film? Not at all. It's, it's not, I mean, it is dark, um, but it's not, the, the first one had, like I said, almost no dialogue. It was more of an internal struggle that this guy was having. Um, it, it was an inspiration for the final. And uh, Mike Burns came to me at one point and he's like, we had just finished another movie called Proper Binge, which looked that one up for sure because that one has won a whole bunch of awards and was just picked up for distribution. That's another completely independent film from here in Alaska. Trying to see it. Uh, yeah, Proper Binge. We had just uh, wrapped up on everything with that, and he called me up, and he's like, uh, I want to do another feature. I was like, okay. <laughs> he says, well, I want you to write it. And I said, okay. Well, I gave him like three or four ideas, and he's like, no, no, no. And then I said, well, I have the short story, and I just sent him the short story, and he gets back, and he's like, dude, yes. <laughs> we need to do that one. And I'm like, all right, well, do you want it to be like the same and just extended? He's like, no, no, no. We need, we need to reevaluate it, start from the beginning and let's build a whole story out of it and I did and the great thing about when a director comes to you and wants you to write a script is they have so much patience they want <laughs> I'm being facetious they have zero patience every single day are you done yet are you done yet are you done yet and it's like I'm gonna pull this script right over and toss you out the car and it, so it, it was written very very quickly at first because I was this is my first feature you know, I'd written shorts and, and treatments and I'd helped other people with their stories before, but this was my first feature. So I wanted to get it done. And then finally he's like, all right, stop writing. It's like, okay. And he just took it 
And I'm like, it's not done. He says, no, 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 it's done. And that's usually what happens with a writer is somebody walks up at some point and says, give me the damn thing. <laughs> and you're done. And I mean, when I, I just, uh, like I said before, when I was watching the uh, final cut, I was watching, I'm like, God, there's this whole scene I could have thrown in right there. It would have been so cool. There's nothing I can do about it though. So I got to walk away. It's like shaving where you shave a little bit over here and then you're like, oh, now it's uneven over here. And then you just back and forth. That's back actually forth. how I end up with any time that I don't have a beard. It's, it's because I, I went, oh. Because no one was there to tell you to stop. Basically, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Take the razor away. <laughs> what, what so I, I stopped giving myself haircuts. <laughs> what, what I want to know, um, because like, you know, it's, it's, it'll be a while before I have a feature film probably. But <laughs> what, uh, what is it like to sit there and see your vision like on the big screen? Like, I, um, do you, can you enjoy it as, um, like an, as a member of the audience or are you just constantly in that state of like, okay, they nailed that part. Eh, this is kind of more what I was thinking there. Or like, I mean, I, I imagine there's some of that, but can you ever just like let go and just be like, wow, this is the story that was in my head? You know, like the book I, was I, <laughs> I think it really depends on what your role in making the film was. Like my director, I'm sure my director does exactly what you said. You know, this little bit could change here, this here, this, you know, sound guy, same thing. It, it, you know, the sound engineer, he probably hears, you know, a hiss at one point and goes, oh, I could, I could have done something different there. Um, but with me, it's more when I watch them now, I wait for the first reactions that I hear from the audience. Because that's that's how I know that I did my job. Is if it's an element of the story that you know is supposed to make you think for a second, I want it. I want to hear gasps, or you, you know some sort of some sort of noise coming from them. When when I, I when a joke comes across, I want to hear laughter. You know, but I never think that there's anything that I'd want to change about it. It's just that's that's kind of the validation for me because that's the story, and that's the one thing that I can pinpoint down that I had. All right. All right, I had a big part of that part. Because <laughs> there's so many people that work so hard to make this thing what it is. And it's um, our cinematographer, Brian Pentecostas. He, it just, it still blows me away just looking at the visuals that he caught that we're not talking, you know, filters and after effects and editing. It's like, look on, on, uh, on our Facebook page at some of the outtake stuff that we have posted. Those weren't touched up at all. That's all his shots. And he did such an amazing job. And this cabin was tiny, itty bitty. And we had, yeah, we had the two actors and enough space for them, you know, to fill the frame. But we had to hide. <laughs> and sit there and be completely shoulder to shoulder. Audio guy sitting here telling everybody, stop moving because your clothes are rubbing together. I mean, it was, it was nuts. And everybody just works so hard to make this happen as when I watch that, that's what I enjoy seeing. When I'm watching the screen, when I'm paying attention to the movie, that's what I love is knowing that all these people came together to do this. And yeah, you ever get that thing where it's like, we, all these people got together. It was a, just a huge effort, so much time, effort, money, uh, blood, sweat, and tears went into this and you're eating fucking nachos and it's making it so like no one else can hear the dialogue. I've never done that before, ever. You've never eaten nachos in the theater? Then you're, yeah, yeah. I think <laughs> that would make you a good man. 
what, what is it with movie theaters? And if like, I do order nachos in the theater, food. okay, here's my thing. No, 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 no. There's, there's, there is an argument for this, all right? If you're going to eat nachos in the theater, you got to have the 15-minute the respect rule. Okay, you need to let those nachos soak in that cheese for at least 15 minutes into that movie before you start eating on them because then you ain't getting that nasty crunch or none of that. Exactly. That's why, you know, I honestly, right. just, I just take like a can of cheese wedge and then, you know, just. Cheese wedge. <laughs> and it's, it's a similar experience, but it's more chewy. I like to bring Pringles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I don't put my phone on silent. <laughs> I got one of those things you stand out. Use, and I, I use the one thing that gets me. Yes, the, the phones. The phones that drives me nuts. Because that's like a great way to ruin, you know, an intense moment in a movie. It's like oh, oh bright. All of a sudden, it gets all bright. Eminem's getting ready yeah. to pop a duck. <laughs> it's okay. I'm just. Or the person sitting right next to you who just keeps checking their messages, and just totally breaking that fourth wall. So you just. Yeah. <laughs> blinding you with the like really? doctor like what's going on like what's so fucking important you're ruining uh you're you're ruining into the spider verse you wench not only are you ruining the movie you're ruining your marriage <laughs> uh-oh yeah, yeah so there, right. ended with one of those yeah. uh i was going to see uh was it at astra which by the way have you seen at astra brad pitt and uh tommy lee jones his dad He's basically a lineman. He's a space he, lineman. Yeah, he looks like the type I, of guy that watches. Tried. Good for you. Yeah, I'm missing a whole yeah. lot. Um, really not. But yeah, old lady. Watching movies, watching movies with me, I, I've been told is is a is a tedious <laughs> situation. So, oh, do you, yeah. do you rewrite other movies? Like halfway through like you know every little moment you know what i would have done i never actually put it down on paper but i do that a lot I, oh you know man, really what they should have done here is did but, you know that and, and i was uh the work that i started doing with the alaska film industry wasn't in writing it was um when i was actually working on stuff it was i was a script supervisor so i was the one who had to make sure like when they said cut I had to go in and make sure that every single thing in that scene was put back exactly the way it was, including like length of the cigarette. If there's a cigarette they're smoking, um, <laughs> what was in the background, how much rain was there, you know, stupid oh, stuff God. like that. So I watch movies and I see stupid things, stupid, stupid things that could, should have been caught and it drives me nuts. <laughs> so basically you can't enjoy a movie ever again. It ruins it for you. I just know, I just remember exactly the uh, the minute point and second point, and I just skip past them when I'm watching, so it doesn't bother me so much. Belief. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> okay, uh, so on the topic of shitty films, what were your thoughts on The Irishman? I still have not watched The Irishman. Don't. That's what I've been told over and over again. I got so much respect for the cast and the, and the, the directors and everybody who was behind it. I, I'm like, exactly. I don't want to do it just yet. If you don't watch the film. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. Except for Joe Pesci. Yeah. Joe Pe if you, you know what? If you could do downloadable content for The Irishman and put Joe Pesci as every character, that would be, except for Pacino. <laughs> and Pesci. Yeah. In fact, I don't, I don't ever want to see De Niro and Pacino in anything together. In fact, we can go back in time. DLC put Pesci in De Niro's spot in Heat, way cooler movie. Mm -hmm. But you have, but it's Pesci as like my cousin Vinny. <laughs> <clears throat> the two Utes. <laughs> Do was <it> one grit. <laughs> what is a grit? 
So, um, what do you have on the burner? Like, uh, you know, I know, like, we haven't even had time to celebrate this particular masterpiece. You, you know, you're not walking around with your Academy Award at the moment, but um, what's I, the next project? Uh, right now, the next project that we're working toward is called Dividends. It is a heist film in which... Uh, <laughs> Accurate. Yes. Oh, yes. That's, is everyone wearing a mask? You know, it's weird. It's, it's weird because... <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Dunlavey. Um, all I don't even have, really have to write the movie at this point. I just have to walk outside with a camera. So, but <laughs> so it's um, an action horror mystery comedy. All right. Well, this uh, di dividends is, is more about the fact of, of there's um, there's only one place in the entire world where you know without a doubt that on one single night a year, every single ATM within a half a million square miles is stocked completely full. And in dividends, they take advantage of that and they rob all of the ATMs in Alaska the night of direct deposit. Good. Yeah. Like the government. <laughs> Everybody always brings the government into it. It's like, no, it's just a bunch of kids. It's more like point break. <laughs> so a uh, romantic comedy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So the original Point Break or the second one? Original, original, the right. original. No, no. That's one thing I refuse to talk about is remakes. I, I don't, I don't go into remakes. <laughs> okay, clip that. Save that Keanu, for twenty years. Keanu is still alive. We don't need a remake of Point Break um, unless yeah, you're no. him in the bad guy role. Yeah, yeah. Put Johnny oh, yeah. Utah as the bad guy. Or it's like you know, it's his kid this time, and he's got to. You know, he's got to teach him. You know, like he, like you know. Oh it's shit! Like the Johnny Utah kid. has to kill his kid in the end. Yeah, you can you can take that. The whole biblical aspect, Isaac, and you know, yeah. I'm not doing that. <laughs> so actually, you, you know what? There is a, there is one remake that I would love to make. There is, and it wouldn't be even be a remake. It would be a re envisioning, if you want to call that, because it was a TV show. But um, this is something I've wanted to do for a long, long time. Unfortunately, I it's a Disney project, so I don't think I'd be able to do it. But tell me you guys wouldn't love to see a live-action Gargoyles. Ooh. Between that and, like, the Roy Blatty from Blade Runner origin story. <laughs> I don't see... I don't think they have to be two mutually different projects. No, God, that would be cool if they were. <laughs> And again, it's well, downloadable content. You can mash them <laughs> up together. Um, right, right. Was it, uh, control was it Control Face Delete um, or or Doctor Fakenstein? These these guys on YouTube who are who are mixing up like what happened if uh, Morphe or if um, if Neo took the blue pill? Yeah. Uh, and it morphs into Keanu in um, uh, Office Space. Oh, what? <laughs> 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 So yeah, so it's uh, I want to say it's controlled delete face. One of the guys that does the the deep fake stuff, and I'll put the link in the description uh, when this podcast goes up. He always promises that. I awesome. do, I do a pretty good job. <laughs> it makes the editing of this fun. It's like oh, I got to go back and oh shit, yeah, that's and that's where <laughs> and on a forty five minute tangent of YouTubing stuff. Oh, what was I doing? Uh, yeah, it's and that's how I find out there used to be like eight foot ducks in Australia. I was doing a review of Howard the Duck. And uh, I learned about Australian ducks from 50,000 years ago. Um, See, so far, okay, so so far with you guys, I've, I've listened to um, that great podcast that you guys did with the uh, um, the Last Crusade. Okay. And now you've just told me that you did one with Howard the Duck. 
So I'm guessing that your whole movie list is about the same as the ones that I absolutely love to death. Have you, have you done Goonies yet? Uh, we have oh. not done Goonies. And one of the things that we were trying to do and, and keep up with was the movie theater here, which is playing some of the movies that are on the streaming service. Oh, I gotcha. You know, yeah. Um, that way I could, I could pretend to have a, a movie theater experience, but not have to uh, risk certain death for a movie that's on Netflix. <laughs> But you're coming to Peaks and Valleys, right? Fuck yeah, because it's oh, not yeah. on Netflix. <laughs> Fuck yeah, I'm going. True. And I'm True. bringing people with me. I'm excited for this. Legitimately, yeah. uh, the last time I think that there was there was a local movie, I, I want to say it was Moose, and then uh, the, the folks that did Moose that did the, and I didn't see it. Um, Suzzy Slim Rides again. Suzzy Slim Rides again. Actually, I bought a copy of Moose yeah. uh, for Siri. One of our, uh, our, our producers uh siri actually he's one of my best friends i bought him a copy of moose uh from, completely uh, just dehumanized him but <laughs> yeah you, you snatched the soul out of that young yeah. man no i actually um i have a friend who i have a friend who lives in australia um saw the trailer on my page um on my facebook page and like is when do i get to see that oh well Friday if she comes up to <laughs> kenai alaska if well, no, that's, it's a valid question. It's a valid question, especially in this day. And um, a lot of people, they don't realize um, what the major production houses have seen as a possibility with this lockdown and with the incredible surge in streaming services. So this is actually a pretty good conversation to talk about because theaters are starting to look at the very real possibility of no longer being um, as big of a part of people's lives as they have been um, to the point of if I, I hate to use the word but to becoming a novelty because you can uh, Disney did it go ahead like the drive-in like you can still yes. find a drive-in but it's it's a novelty thing now exactly and um, Disney proved it I think three times during this during the quarantine situation um, they went straight to their streaming service on Disney plus including just last week, they released Artemis Fowl. Now, you watch that movie. That That is a movie that you definitely would have expected to see on the, the on the big screen in the theaters. It's incredibly well done. There was a lot of special effects put into it. It's clean. Um, and it's off of a great story that a lot of kids know nowadays. Now, normally, that'd be the excuse to pack the family of four up to go spend 50 bucks at the theater, at least. <laughs> But they don't need to do that anymore because they're getting paid for the people that aren't even watching the movie. So we, these, these theater situations, especially for the independent artists, I mean, we're, we're, we made a, uh, a big leap here uh, to what normally happens. Usually you have a distribution company that goes out and they shop for you and they handle all of the uh, distribution of the actual product to the theaters. They're the ones that make DVDs get made, all that great stuff. We realized here going crazy because I'm a sound engineer on, on my regular job now. So everything that I did was canceled because I do live sound. Well, I can't do live sound if people can't come see the bands. So I was really delving into how the distribution system works, how it used to work totally made sense, but how our technology has caught up. It doesn't make so much sense anymore on why we have to rely on that because I was able to do the same thing with my phone and with my computer and with, you know, communication 
we had a guy over in in London who he actually made it into the format that we needed to be able to show it in the theaters and so on and so forth. So we're kind of taking a step right now for everybody in Alaska, arts, cinema, independent film, whatever you want to call it, and say that uh, we can do this. And we're building up these relationships. We're, we're producing a market section that we can take to theaters down south, theater companies down south, and say, hey, we're making money. <laughs> you want some? You know, it's, we can prove it, which anybody who's ever watched an episode of Shark Tank, what do you have to prove? To get somebody to invest in you as a business, what do you have to prove? That you can make some money. Now, granted, it's a very small subsection, but it's a subsection that we can show. We can be legitimate about it. So we're self-distributing at this point with Peaks and Valleys. And through that, we will be uh, making it available for streaming as soon as possible. But we also want to make sure that we're do giving it its justice and uh, pushing it through the industry as far as we can before making that very easy jump to streaming media. Well, you're seeing um, films uh, that, that were intended for national release that, mm -hmm. that go to a $25 streaming service. Like you go to Amazon Prime when um, uh, Trolls World Tour came out, you, you could rent it on, uh, on, on Prime for like 15 or 20 bucks. Uh, right now you can rent The King of Staten Island on Prime uh, starring Pete Davidson, a Judd Apatow movie that normally would have been in the theaters is now something that, you know, 25 bucks, you can see a new release with your family, not have yeah. to, uh, you know. But well, do you notice what's interesting about that? Do you want to hear what's really interesting about that? And I think it's going to get worse, is they're starting to look at movies as far as a streaming release before even the theaters get them. You're able to pay a premium price in order to see it first, right? Which is what the same thing that they do with video games, is it not? Mm -hmm. If it's a premium movie, like say you know the first the first installment of, of phase four marvel right it's going to be a premium thing they know they're going to fill up the theaters with it or they could charge you 60 bucks to watch it fucking ufc yeah. yeah no i, I mean it's it's a business model that's you. it works and unfortunately I, it's going to move toward movies well i one thing i think though and because this is this is going to be that you're your movie is going to be the first movie I've watched in a theater in probably three years. Um, and I think, no. I think, no, I think, <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's just because that's why the restraining order. Oh, wait, wrong movie. Wrong movie. Never mind. <clears throat> no, but um, I, I honestly, I see movie theaters becoming more, I, I well, this is something I witnessed in Seattle uh, where movie theaters became more of a place for the independent filmmaker. Um, where like the the bigger releases they went to you know the big gigantic you know movie theaters whatnot and then eventually you know of course we had the whole netflix thing but a lot of people i think would rather for me rather than watch something like that you know I, i'd rather just wait till it comes out i have a projector in my house um but like uh the they're the old time theaters you know the the ones that were kind of brought back to life showed the independent films and i think i think that's where you're going to I think that's going to be the direction they're going to have to go. I think the block yeah. isn't going to be a thing anymore. You can do a I completely, I completely agree. Yeah. I completely agree with that. And um, the problem is, is these megaplexes, what's going to happen to the megaplexes and they're big corporate owned, you know, we can get into that argument and which will be a short one because I don't do that stuff. But um, those exactly what you're saying with the little, theaters they're the ones who are going to survive and they're the ones who we are still going to be able to do our little 
you know, showings of independent stuff, but no artist ever wants to show their stuff to 30 people. You know what I mean? And having the opportunity and, and understanding the industry and how it's changing with technology and making it easier for somebody like me who, you know, I, I watched YouTube videos. I made the right phone calls. I did research and now we got this. And yeah, I'm, I do have one big thing on my side and it's a horrible situation, but uh, it, you know, we were, with. we were able to look at that situation. So did it, well, I'm sorry, what was that? Oh, you froze. You froze for a second. Oh like, no. Right at your point, like right at like, you know, like your movie does. Right. Oh, <laughs> well, basically it's, it's, we were offered a very rare opportunity working with a megaplex type of company and showing them that independent filmmakers can do the legwork that a distribution company can do and still give them the exact same product that they are going to offer to their customers through these big, huge production houses. Now, granted, we had to do some footwork and actually we have a guy on his way down to you right now. His name is Kyle and he has the copy of Peaks and Valleys that he needs to deliver to the theater. He was headed from the Valley to Kenai. So if anybody out there uh, happens to come across a dude with a pink t-shirt and a Joe Dirt blonde mullet, his name is Kyle and give him as much uh, shit as you possibly can. As long as he's delivered the movie first. Yeah. Then you <laughs> He's one of my best friends. He's a great guy, but he, man, he, he loves. Yeah. <laughs> he's a party. He's a party guy. There's, he's a party yeah, that's guy. That's a guy I would trust with with my film. Yeah. <laughs> with the most he's important. never done me wrong, though. He has never done me wrong, not a single time. I've known him for years. Totally lost it, bro. My bad. <laughs> well, okay. So one of the the subjects coming up on the podcast is uh, the historical, like historically, what does a good night in Kenai look like? And that includes going back to Big Edie's. Uh, Big Edie's was a second full-time industry on the Kenai Peninsula. The first one was Wildwood Air Force Base. Edie's was the brothel across the street. So that's, <laughs> location, that's, location, location, location. Location, 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 yeah. So this is, and this is the second year-round uh, full-time industry on the Kenai Peninsula. So what, and then Kenai Joe's local bar that's mm -hmm. been reopened purchased, if I'm not mistaken, by the Kenai River Brewery. So they operate the oldest bar in Kenai, Kenai Joe's. In fact, maybe we can go check that out afterwards. Yeah, go to Kenai Joe's. Give me that one right there. Yeah, that one. <laughs> that one. Yo, shout out to Joe and the rest of the folks yeah. over at the Kenai River Brewery. Uh, maybe we can try and get you get a hold of some of that Grateful Red for you. Um, ooh, ooh, yeah. Yeah, they, They've got some very, like, they've got, like, shit you can only get there. Like, if, if you're looking for the Nike town of Kenai River Brewery stuff, like, yeah. all the rare stuff is the stuff. <laughs> the cool shit, like, they don't have anywhere else, they're going to have it on tap for you. Um, nice, nice. You know, it's like they know a guy. They, yeah, they know yeah, a guy. They know a guy. <laughs> yeah. So. I'm excited to see the movie. I was, I was excited to see the movie within the first 10 seconds. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was amazing. It's like, there's a body falling from a plane yeah and i don't i don't give a shit to find out how she didn't die on impact uh i don't care i'm just gonna like there was some movie magic there was some movie it's magic great. and yeah, movie we magic, actually no we, we is wonderful some of my favorite mixed martial artists are guys that fought in japan in the mid 2000s i'm okay with folks uh, and a little <laughs> bit of the magic sauce okay like 
give, give them all that that supernatural juice. By the way, do you follow mixed martial arts? I I uh, I I don't follow it very much. Um, the pay per views for sure, I, I do. And then I work with uh, uh, AK two or AK. We changed our name recently. Um, I'm having a total brain fart right now. Who do I work for? <laughs> ABJJ. ABJJ Legacy. <laughs> um, okay, you're totally going to have to edit this out because I'm going to lose my job over it. Okay, you're not well, going to yeah. lose. It used to be AK Tuesday Fights, and now it's... Um, the Thursday Night Fights, and then... I don't know. No, they changed the and they have the spade now. I can't remember the name of it. Shoot. Billy Christensen. Oh. Ace. Alaska Combat Entertainment. Yes, Ace. I know Billy. So, yeah, Billy Christensen. So let's three, two, one. Yeah, so um, I do a lot of work with, uh, with Ace. You know, it's Alaska Combat Entertainment. Billy Christensen, he's, <laughs> he's a great guy. That's on those shows. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so I follow it a lot there because I, I do the, uh, the announcing for them, the, their sponsorship announcing. Very cool. So you were um, you were starting to touch on because I'm <laughs> curious about this, the um the dropping of the body. How was that filmed? All what right. So the dropping of the body involved. <laughs> I have to be careful on how I talk about this part. Okay. So <laughs> we wanted it, we wanted it to seem realistic. We also wanted it was about the splash. That was like our biggest thing. We were like, oh, we got to have the splash. So we ended up taking a five gallon bucket and we filled it half full with water to give it some weight. And then we had life uh, life preservers and that's how you got the, the bend of the joints. So we had one that was represented like the bottom of the leg to the knee and then so on and so forth. And we had two of these set up and we went to the airport and they took the door off of the plane and I was the only one who was like, yeah, sure, I could die today. And so therefore I was chosen to be ratchet strapped into this plane on top of the regular restraints and I held on to the body. And then we flew to the film site. We dropped to the appropriate legal ceiling <laughs> limit and we dumped it and we did that twice. And um, the first time it just, oh, it didn't hit, it didn't hit quite right. I mean, it landed perfectly, but the, the angles weren't quite there. The second time, uh, we missed completely. <laughs> we miss. I missed the lake like completely. We uh, we had a little bit of a malfunction before that, and and my hands ended up locking up, and I I let go of it a little too late. And what's funny is is that's that's the one that ends up in the movie is the one that was totally off target. <laughs> so it, it was kind of crazy. Certain what thud? <laughs> it landed. Uh, it landed in the in the marsh. So it, it was more like a. So, <laughs> okay. So in in the the nineteen eighty something documentary Commando, uh, Schwarzenegger also jumped out, and landed in a marsh. Marshes are if you're gonna jump out of a plane, uh, land in a marsh. I was I can't I can't remember the name of the film. Um, I was going. Oh yeah, I was actually I was hoping I was hoping you were gonna go like the Prestige on this. Where I was like, well, there were two girls. One we heard. <laughs> every so often you, sometimes you got to kill the bird sometimes it was uh it, it was definitely an experience it um you know it's i 
I've always had a problem with big planes for some reason. Yeah, small planes I, I was fine with. But like you put me on an airliner and I'm, I have to pregame oh, before yeah. I even go to the airport. I can't. I get so... I get so anxious when I'm on, but you stick me in a little Cessna like that, which is, you know, being held together with rivets only like that big and, you know, fiberglass, I'm fine. And, but hanging out the side of a plane that close to the ground, it, it was, uh, yeah, I, I was puckered in places I didn't know could pucker. Yeah, that seems intense. I, my theory on the small plane versus uh, giant death tube is that. Yes, giant death tube. Exactly. Yes. On the small planes, you can see exactly how drunk the pilot is. True. You know, and you, you might, can reach the controls. Yeah, exactly. You can be like, oh, he's out. If I'm going to die, I'm going to die on my terms. Let's go. All right. <laughs> well, one of the, the cool things, though, like is in a, in a parallel universe, you probably did fall out of the plane. That's also on video, made it to live leak. <laughs> uh, and they already had the story written, so their way of honoring you is is using your fall footage in the film. Yeah, I should have just done that in the first place. We'd already be in the top box office. Oh, I know. But then we wouldn't. <laughs> this, this interview wouldn't be happening. We'd be interviewing. I don't no, know. it'd still be happening, but it'd just be really weird. Be really <laughs> awkward, man. So tell me about that guy that died. <laughs> We'd be interviewing. <laughs> You're like your studio looks so ethereal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, so what? Um, I I hate to ask this, but what are your expectations? You know, that's just the same reason you you hate to ask that is why I have to think about it, and there should be no thinking about it. My expectations, honestly, are that. Uh, that it's going to be a great weekend, you know, in both places that people are going to, you know, have the opportunity to come out and see a brand new movie. The only new movie you can see this weekend. That's yeah. true. <laughs> Just saying. Might, yeah. That's, I probably but, I mean, title this episode, the only new movie you can see this weekend. Yeah. Right. And when it comes down to it, yes, I do have expectations as far as it doing well, because um, we've been working really, really hard and we want to continue working hard. If, if we do well this weekend, then we're going to have the, the people who run coming attractional theaters be looking at featuring an all original Alaskan film in theaters down South as they open their doors, because you still got these big blockbusters that they're pushed, you know, weeks out for the release. So you are going to get some when the theaters start opening, but it's going to be the same story as it is up here already. A lot of the movies you can watch on Netflix. So if we can get into that, if Alaska can can come out and, and give us the support, I mean, I'm going to be wearing a mask and, and doing all that, you know, out of respect for the people who are showing up. Being up with their wives. Yeah. So my expectation is that uh, we do well. And <laughs> I just jumped right over that one. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. Come see a movie. That's what I expect. All right, so I, I, I do want to run it back to the one of the original questions that I wanted to ask, and it's a question that I've asked a, a couple of other uh, guests. Uh, what was the, when you were a kid, what was your favorite movie? Goonies, absolutely. Okay. I watched that movie. I, I, I would confidently say I have watched Goonies over a thousand times. 
There's nothing wrong with that yeah. other than uh, that's maybe what... Josh Brolin's stepmom is part of the Illuminati. But Well, yeah. that and that's the kind of thing that makes it take 38 years before you write your movie. <sighs> we, that was that was that and Power Rangers. Those are the only two games we played outside as kids. <laughs> There's a man. We're, no, we're talking the OG, OG Power Rangers. Okay, like the actual dinosaurs and where they had they had to separate the Japanese version from the American kids that they did dialogue with, and then just mash them all together into one weird show. That, that was Power Rangers I grew up with. <laughs> Do the research; it's crazy. It was two completely separate shows. Shout out to Josh Brolin, also yeah. in Thrashing and Country for Old Men. Yeah. Shout out to Corey Webster. <laughs> Corey Webster. Anyway, like that 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 film Thrashing uh, would have been <laughs> such a better film if instead of the Chili Peppers, it had been Gigi Allen and the Murder Junkies. <laughs> I'm gonna have to look that one up. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, it's. <laughs> got in fascination with um, um what was it that drew you to goonies because it's our time it's our time right now it's our time down here it was honestly it was sean Aston's speech it was he's looking at a bunch of older kids a bunch of kids that you know he was not really the leader of they were just following him that was you know that moment that he had a voice and everybody wanted to be everybody wanted to be him when we were playing it because he was the leader. But it took me an, you know another ten years before I realized why I identified so much with it. It's because that of that moment down in that well when he was telling them all, "No, this is what we got to do. This is it." And I I used to know that by heart. Probably still did, if not for um, <clears throat> outside influences. <laughs> By the way, in parallel universe goody, Goonies, they all died. It's a tragic movie. It's not. It's not an adventure movie. It's a warning. <laughs> I'm telling you, I have a feeling that that we're definitely going to have to have some Rick and Morty talks here soon. Because <laughs> every other thing is in a parallel universe. <laughs> but it's not time travel. No, it's not time travel. No, it's not time travel. Time travel is impossible and it's stupid. <laughs> Multidimensional travel is the only way to go. Because you can go to a dimension that started 10 years you know, later than the dimension you were at. So therefore, you're not really time traveling. You're just going to another space and fourth dimension. But, uh, I, yes, I can do this for all night long. <laughs> I'm, Especially I'm a, if I smoke weed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a terrible parent because <clears throat> my, my seven-year-old and my 10-year-old like know every single second of every episode of Rick and Morty. My 11 year old got grounded for a week because he watched the final episode of Rick and Morty uh, that played before I had. Ooh. He grounded himself. So that makes it even better. I, I would. I, <laughs> <laughs> he said, dad, it was worth it. I'll see you in a week. <laughs> yeah, I, I have, I have so much Rick and Morty swag and, I was trying not to do it today, but it's it's sad. If it's on the 1099 rack of Walmart and it's got Rick and Morty on it, it's mine. So how many years do you think we got to wait for the next season? Exactly, that's the question. That's the, it depends on which universe you're currently occupying. Because you know? <laughs> they're on season 17 of the docu-series in another <laughs> universe. Right? <laughs> You know, in another Rick and Morty, the only television show that's been canceled more times than it's had seasons. <laughs> I mean, in Family Guy was the beginning of all that. 
of, of the fans bringing back a show that had been canceled. Yeah, that was actually really yeah. interesting yeah. because that was, yeah, because that got canceled, replaced by several different shows and DVDs, seasons of television shows on DVDs were becoming a thing. Family Guy comes out through the roof. Well, I think even before that, I think that was the first TV show that people were like lime-wiring. Like, yeah. that was the first TV mm -hmm. show that people were actively downloading. When I was in college... Vader's in, maybe. Mine was Firefly. Firefly. Uh, oh, we'll have, to have a, we'll have to have a show about all the tragic, like... Fucking nerds. Like, <laughs> all the shows that were, like, ended too soon. Vader's in. All the, sure, all the shows, the shows that went on too long. Um, like the shield, if it had only stuck around three seasons would have been the greatest show on, on fucking television. All right. That's the way, but it went on <laughs> so long that it was just like, like it wasted everybody's time. Like everybody has just become everyone that everyone hates. This sucks. Thanks mm -hmm. for nothing. Michael Chiklis. Um, <laughs> dead. Shit. Walking dead first three seasons. Yeah. It would have been different if they, if they'd kept to the original comic line. The nerds. I, I, That's some nerd yeah. shit to say. <laughs> Stick to the comic books. Shout out to Fred Kosky. Um, <laughs> the stories are better. The stories were so much better. It wasn't about freaking drama and was, oh, drama was like the last thing you were thinking about when you were reading the walking dead. You were. Didn't Carl get killed early on in, uh, in, in the comics? I don't know, but I can tell we've triggered him. <laughs> so, no, 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 we're good. He shook. No. <laughs> so, what was the film that, that inspired you to, to get into writing and, and made you know I could do this? Was it like, was it something good or was it something shitty? That's actually good. I, I think I have one of each. <laughs> Lay it on me, champ. Yeah. Um, the first time that I was actually, and this is, you can make fun of me all you want on this, but the first movie that I can remember actually remembering loving how it was written was Far and Away with uh, Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. Nicole Kidman. It, was, it was, I mean, it was before Forrest Gump, but it was a Forrest Gump kind of like story of these two people from Ireland who come over to America. One is super rich and one is a farm boy. And it's their journey and during all these different periods happening in, happening in uh, the 1800s and how they end up falling in love and being together in the end, even though they're constantly crossing each other up. It's, it's, it's a rom-com. Uh, if you're looking for one that you're going to enjoy watching with your girl, it, I definitely recommend looking it up. But that was the first movie that I watched. It was like, that, wow, that story was just really, really good. And I was probably 11, 12 years old at that point. Interesting. The, and then, the only thing I remember from that film is, uh, of course, Nicole Kidman's hair and then the scene with the bowl <laughs> over Tom Cruise's junk. Yeah. I remember yeah, yeah, Nicole yeah. Kidman's hair and the land claim, where there was like this cool, like, <laughs> yeah. almost like a No, yeah, the land claim was great. It was an awesome scene. Yeah. Oh, was like, okay, so now Tom the one more makes fucking great movies. Tom Cruise has, when he's, you know, not being Tom Cruise, uh, he makes good movies. And I don't even know what that means anymore. Maybe Tom Cruise is just like the coolest fucking old guy ever. Um, but he's made some some great films. I, mean, I, I have a, a tremendous respect for him as an actor and as an actor only. Not a, not a fan of the adrenochrome? I, not a fan. I, I actually just explained uh, the 
<laughs> I just explained the South Park uh, definition of Scientology to my 11-year-old yesterday. <laughs> good, that, good that you're, you know, you can reference South Park, which actually is the smartest show on television. Oh, I didn't tell him. I did not tell him it was from South Park. I, I totally took credit for it myself. As you so, should. Yeah. That's, that's why South Park is there. You always take all the credit for yourself. Like, you're not allowed to watch that show. It's horrible. It's like, no, I'm actually taking all the lessons that South Park has, and I want to pass them on as, they, as if they come from me. So, no, you can't watch that show because, spoiler alert. <laughs> By the way, we're opening up our, our own cannabis farms, uh, Tegrity Weed. Tegrity? Tegrity, Tegrity, Tegrity. We're going to take the Tegrity to China. No. Rolling back, though, because we did far, far and away. So what was your stupid movie? No. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. Uh, it's, it sucks because it's one of the most beloved movies of all time, especially by nerds. Princess Bride? Oh, no. Princess Bride is one of the greatest movies ever made. The Matrix. Oh, I could not stand. Wow. I could not stand the lack, the lack of backstory that they put into the follow-ups to The Matrix. The original, absolutely. But they did. They made no attempt at all to try and build upon the original story of the Matrix. They just simply went, "Okay, how can we just make it cooler?" And and then and then in the very end, how can we just give a big middle finger to anybody who has ever believed in anything uh, bigger than themselves? Because it's all just a freaking game that's going to start over again. So that being said, go ahead, bring it. So the third one, I'll agree with you, is a great big steaming pile of shit. Um, and everyone who is invested in that film is a terrible human being, at least in that point in their life. Um, I, I think, you know, that's why they became the Wachowski sisters. I'm just saying. They, they weren't the Wachowski sisters when they did that one. And they were like, no. exactly. That's why they became. They're like, fuck it. No, we're done. We don't even have, deserve we don't to. want to be attached to this film anymore. We don't want to be attached to any of this. <laughs> We're, you, let's just get let's get hurry hurry up and, and get to Jupiter ascending. Uh, we got to go to that weird transitional fucking uh, speed racer movie. But once we get past that, we'll or the transformation will be complete and we can make good movies again. Um, so, I mean, I'm trying to remember the last thing that that the Wachowski sisters did that I enjoyed, and I have to go back to to the Matrix at the one and two. Now, um, the second one was was cool to me for no other reason. And it had uh, who I would assume is like a, a fighter out of the Matrix in Roy Jones Jr. Like seeing Roy Jones Jr. And oh, that was badass. Yeah. Dr. Cornell West in, yeah. in the Matrix was very, very cool. Um, there were parts in those films that were very, very cool. But yeah, the second. It was very, to me, it was very Empire Strikes Back. Like it was, you know. Oh, no, dude. Empire was like the best of the whole Star Wars series. Are we really going to go there now? Are we going to start this? Are we going to start this 30 year argument right now? 40 year argument at this point? My favorite one was the Christmas special. <laughs> you haven't seen the Star Wars Christmas special? Oh, I, I'm, not, I'm not going into Star Wars. No. no, no. <laughs> well, I, I thought Solo was great and Rogue One was the best Star Wars film in the last 20 years at least Rogue One was badass Rogue One yes and and interesting thing about Star Wars is uh the book that George Lucas wrote or read in college right before he wrote Star Wars as his final thesis in, in film school is what I wrote for to write my first book and I followed all of George Lucas's rules to the T 
And everybody that I took this book to, this is this was not screenwriting. I took the book to, they all said the same thing. It's absolutely, you know, perfect in every way, commercial wise. It's gonna be great. There's room for sequels, all this. It just seems to fit this perfect formula. But my writing was horrible because I hadn't even gone to college. That was the only, like, we can't even sell this to 12-year-olds. I mean, it's like, no, no. And it's funny because what they were saying about the formula of it all is if you look into the history of George Lucas and Star Wars, he wrote it in college, and he wrote it out of a college course that was on this book. And I wish I could remember the name of it. But it basically takes the similarities of every single legend, myth, uh, tale of grandeur and finds the similarities between them all and creates a story arc that you can write on any subject and I'm not, I'm not saying that it's not you know the greatest sci-fi film ever ever made for its time but it's crazy when you look at the formula that goes behind it and what is that how much that formula is still used today if I ever am asked to write a, a poppy movie that's exactly what I'm going to is the George Lucas formula that he took from that book back in college because they do it. Every single Disney movie, same formula. Every single major Get film released, even, even the Marvels. I, uh, it's almost, uh, you're talking like the Odyssey? Yes. Yeah, the Odyssey being a part of it too. It's a journey. Everybody, when they're watching a the movie, they want to take a journey. And uh, Disney's really thrown it, they, they threw it kind of into the mixer with the Marvel run after they bought it but it's still the same thing it's still the same ideas it's just okay now we can because we have eight different films to spread this single story along they're able to fill it with small personal moments that are relatable hmm. versus the versus the formula that we were stuck with even 10 years ago where okay you got two hours make the story two hours where it it's nice ha having having that open, you know. You've got what? I mean, Marvel total movies. What? How many are there? Just in the Marvel, M the MCU. Yeah, the first seventy-three film was <laughs> the first film was Howard the but Duck, but it was believable. Yeah, was that Howard the Duck? A lot of people don't know that that was a Marvel film. Yeah, that was a great the very yeah. first. It was the very first Marvel film. Um, See, I, I was already having naughty thoughts because of Back to the Future. I needed Howard the Duck to, to really nail it in with Leah Thompson and my crush issues. Which, by the way, we went over that in, in the yes. uh, Howard the Duck review. I, um, I, we went back. Okay, so Scotty and I did the Howard the Duck. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, Leah Thompson was about to blow a duck. Leah Thompson was... <laughs> here's, the, here's the... If George Lucas... If George Lucas didn't hook up with Leah Thompson in the 80s, then he is the world's greatest simp. <laughs> Dude, I had, to, I had to explain to my kid because he was asking where Rick and Morty came from, and I was like, okay, so we're going to watch the whole Back to the Future series. And then he asked me during the last scene, or toward the end, when Marty's in the car and mom's getting frisky. Hook up with him, yeah. And he's like, Dad, isn't that incest? And I'm like, never should be spoken again. <laughs> it's like the whole reason why Back to the Future tanked was because somebody came out in the press before it was released saying it's a movie about incest and time travel. So, Which, so there were Karens even back then. More if that's the title, yeah. uh, incest and time travel. Um, Back to the Future, a porn parody is weird. 
Oh, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Oh, oh. Let's go back to Simpin. And, oh, Simpin and in the fucks you. capacitor. Uh, <laughs> gotta they, go 88 men per hour. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I thought he spit that out. <laughs> it um, was hard. He almost did. I was trying. I was trying to get it. <laughs> <laughs> so my wife is about uh, eight and change months pregnant. So like she's at the point now where like if I say something funny, she pees her pants. It hasn't Use done it yet. yet. I mean, uh, respect her, of course. I don't know, sir. It's a goal. I have goals. <laughs> my goal is to piss in public. Like that's my favorite thing to do. Like just to say some shit, like some random funny shit. Yeah. Just ruin a trip to Walmart. <laughs> I feel like the story was going somewhere. <laughs> no, I, sometimes I like no, to just make hopes and dreams, man. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to share your hopes and dreams. Yeah, that's a goal. Yeah. Oh. All right. So the movie time does it start on Friday? So Peaks and Valleys. Uh, it'll be showing three times a day: Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Um, the, you can find the show times for your specific theater at Coming Attractions Theaters website which is CA theaters spelled the old way. So it's R E S not E R S.com. We'll include the link in the description. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, I know that they're doing two afternoon shows and only one evening show. So um, it'd be like one, three and seven is probably what you're looking at. So which one are we going to be hanging out to, to watch together? Cause I'm going to, I'm inviting so, all of our listeners to come out and, and hang out with us. That one. Um, so we have the cast and crew went up here in Wasilla on Friday at seven. I'm trying to work out a way to get down to Kenai sometime this weekend to be with you guys uh, to maybe watch it again, but I can't guarantee it at this point. Um, Kevin Bennett, the lead actor, he has also expressed some interest in maybe coming down there. So I'll definitely keep you guys surprised if that happens. Uh, if not, then heck, we set up a watch party or something, but I'll definitely have tickets set up for you guys. All right. Thank you very much. You appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let us know anything you need, anything you've got coming up, your, your next films. Let us know um, when, when proper binge hits the streaming services. Love to, love to do a review of it. We're actually going to be getting a hold of, of the distributor and seeing if, uh, if they like what we've been doing and maybe we can do something on the side with proper binge as well. So it's, this is all, you know, a business opportunity. So even though we have a distributor that, that we've been working with with proper bench, you know, it's an opportunity to, to build up and hopefully just keep, keep bringing this independent film out because these guys, they work so hard and they produce such amazing stuff. So I'm very happy to be a part of it. Well, on behalf of our 17 listeners, we're very excited. 18 yeah. if you include the guy in Australia. Oh yeah. 18. So that's that's almost two rows of but no no you see he's down in australia so he can flip that over right so it's actually 81 yeah that's true fuck yeah, yeah. logic man logic the way you work <laughs> you can't yeah you can't you can't argue with it if i won't listen so. <laughs> <laughs> all right michael thank you so much man for for your time for your energy uh i'm excited to see the movie awesome guys thank you for having me i really appreciate it all right. Have a great one, man. You too.
As per 3AAC 306.360 Alaska Marijuana Control Board Cannabis Use Warning A. Marijuana has intoxicating effects and may be habit-forming and addictive. B. Marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under its influence. C. There are health risks associated with consumption of marijuana. D. For use by adults 21 and older, keep out of the reach of children. And E. Marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding.